Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another fabulous, amazing, unbelievable, intriguing, insightful, thoughtful, wow, brilliant episode of <laughs> FNO Astrid. <laughs> well, that was... That that's was not, nice. That's not really the name of our podcast. That's completely wrong. Completely wrong. We have to say Astrid's name many, many times because she is our groupie. Well, and she's fantastic. She she's is fantastic. a fantastic person. The owner and the founder and CEO of Strat Maven, a strategic think tank in the InsureTech space. I encourage you guys, if you need to know what the heck am I going to do with my company? And where should I go? And what am I doing? You need to talk to Astrid. Reach out to her, please. Absolutely. Why don't we learn some stuff today? You want to learn well, some stuff today? What do you got in mind? I was thinking that we could learn about Mbroker. Yes. You know have, anything about Mbroker? I know that Ben Jennings is the chief revenue officer of Mbroker, and he's here with us today. Yeah. Mbroker is going to be a great conversation. We're going to get to talk about them. They are a insured tech at the core. That's who they are. And they're doing fantastic. Uh, they will assist in making sure that this business owner gets the insurance that they need. Mm -hmm. And he's going to tell us all about how they do that, a little bit about the founding story and what brought Ben here. So we're going to get to talk to him as well about who he is. So without further ado, here is our interview with Ben Jennings. Chief Revenue Officer at Imbroker. Hey, everybody. We are here with a special guest, Mr. Ben Jennings, the Chief Revenue Officer at Imbroker. Ben, where are you coming to us from today? Uh, Northern California. Okay. Northern California. That's a great okay, place. That's pretty yeah. nondescript. That's yes. It's a big <laughs> north, 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 a tiny little town north of uh, north of San Francisco, about an hour and fifteen minutes, called Granite Bay, which is uh, kind of Ooh. a hidden gem in the Sierra foothills. So Dude, sounds wonderful. Dude, we're yeah. neighbors. I didn't even realize this. I'm in Sacramento. Oh, there you go. Okay, I live Perfect. in Land Park. Oh, all right, excellent. Yeah, I'm thirty minutes from you. Maybe we shouldn't say that on the air. True. You know, <laughs> what is your address? Uh, exactly. My social security <laughs> number is. It's fine. But, it won't be shared. Uh, anyways, a neighbor. That's exciting. See yeah. all the things we learn right on this podcast? The, mm -hmm. the list goes on and on and on. We have been with us today from Embroker. Ben, yeah. why don't you kick us off by telling us what the heck is Embroker and what do you guys do and, and what do you do there? Yeah, sure. No, well, thanks. For, first, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, happy, pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Happy, early, happy early Thanksgiving for those who celebrate. You as well. Same to you. So, you know, look, Embroker was founded under a very simple concept seven-ish years ago, which is that the, the traditional insurance industry, specifically focused in the business segment, is impossibly difficult and really doesn't need to be. Um, it is filled with friction and paper and antiquated ways of thinking of data um, and a sheer lack of technology that makes the experience of buying, under, one, understanding, but then buying and using your insurance coverages darn near impossible for a, an uneducated business buyer. So if I'm a small business, 
it's a, it's an incredibly painful process. Most folks uh, at a dinner party sure as heck don't want to talk about the insurance that they purchased for their you know small uh, small startup. Yeah. Um, and our goal in starting the company was really to make that um, you know radically simple. Um, and bring you know a lot less um, confusion, more transparency, ease of use, understanding, et cetera, to the space. I'm just thinking about people starting up uh, small companies, and insurance is normally the last thing they think about, and they don't know what they need. Is that something you you help solve? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's beyond. I think it, you're right, but I think it's even beyond that, right? I think the insurance industry um, has spent you know, a hundred plus years living in a world with its own vocabulary, its own yeah. structure yeah. and what should be very simple concepts of eliminating or mitigating risk for a small business are made blurry and gray and complex, um, in, in our opinion, without any real necessity. And so our goal is not only to make sure that a relatively uneducated buyer is able to understand what the heck they need. Um, but they can find it easily. And then they're actually buying the right thing. Um, because obviously the most frustrating experience is you buy this very expensive insurance product. It's effectively a tax on your business. And then sometime in the future, you need it. And it actually doesn't cover what you actually you know, stepped into. And so that, that to us is just an unbelievably unfair situation that can be mitigated by education and simplicity, common vocabulary, and just ease and, and frictionless process of acquiring the product. So are you guys a broker or are you an MGA or, or what, what? Tell us that. Our founder, Matt Miller, was incredibly thoughtful in how he structured the business. Um, you know, he was able to look across the landscape and see sort of the flaws in all of the go the models that of go to market brokerage, MGA, carrier, and not all of them are perfect. And so MBroker was structured in such a way that we actually can operate as all three. Oh, wow. um, we have a we have an internal brokerage practice. Those are traditional insurance professionals, highly strategic, vertically focused experts that can sell you anything in the market to to cover you completely. Those folks report directly into my organization as the CRO. We also have an MGA structure, um, and so as we roll out products, and we can talk a little bit about how we think about that. But as we will roll out products, we can roll it out in an MGA. Or we have a carrier structure as well, so we can build admitted products and roll them out in a third structure. And so what that wow. allows us to do is, as we're seeing the trends in the market get wonky in one particular area, we're a little bit future-proofed. I hate that word, but future-proofed in the sense of having structures that allow us to kind of bob and weave around the pitfalls that everyone else is experiencing. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. How many how many people work at Embroker? Uh, about 300. Okay. Dude. Yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's a little less than that, but I mean, you got to remember we are we're a very unique animal, and I think um, you know you guys started this off as as an insure tech conversation, and I think that just that word alone is is misused pretty radically. Um, yeah. you know, I think people uh, just as people got into the SaaS space, I and mean, everyone that thought they were um, cool was going to sell something through via SaaS, which they weren't. You know, everyone jumped into the insure tech space because it was sexy. Um, it wasn't yeah. insurance, it was insure tech. So as long as you had a website, you became an insure tech suddenly overnight and your marketing folks went to town on that. And that's really not who we are. Um, we are a pure play insure tech in every sense of the word. Half of our organization is excellent technical engineers, product folks, people that are building real technology that is built to benefit an end customer. And the other side is 
really strong insurance expertise covering multiple disciplines, whether that be on the selling side, whether that be on the legal side, whether that be on um, finance, product construction, et cetera. And those two kind of meet in the middle to really lean into a what we would refer to as a pure insure tech model. And I think once you pull the onion back, you know, apart, there's very few companies in the space that actually are doing that. Most are a broker, an MGA or something else that has this kind of thin technical veneer over it without a lot of depth behind it. Um, and that's just not what we've ever tried to be. So who's your prototypical customer? Um, so, I mean, all, the customers that we like the most are the ones with the trickiest problems. Um, okay. MBroker is, is again, I mean, our goal is to really become a radically simple destination for industry tailored commercial insurance. But think about it as this, you know, Lee, you are a, you just got your funding in your A round. Part of your term sheet says, Hey, I need DNO. I want you to be able to come to MBroker. You know, nothing about it. You're trying to gain market share, build product, get, you know, get, gain revenue. I want you to be able to come to MBroker very quickly, find the technology vertical within our platform, navigate that. And within a couple of minutes, fill out all of the applications that you need and quote to bind within a matter of minutes, not days, hours, weeks, right? That's not really our goal. And the same holds true for all the verticals that we support. So tech, whether you're a technology firm, whether you're a law firm, whether you're a cannabis dispensary uh, and the like, you know, our goal is to tee that up in such a way that you can hit our site and find all the elements of those bundles that fully support your you know, particular business model. So is it mostly for the small business owners to come directly to you or is there a, a agency play where independent agents come out, you know, come and request it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so again, you know, we, um, in the spirit of kind of seeing the faults of, of other folks in our space and avoiding them, um, you know, we just like the risk model where we have multiple sort of components to it. Our go to market model is really think about it as kind of fourfold. Um, one, obviously I can sell through direct brokerage to an end customer. You know, you're a technology company, a law firm, whomever you might be, I can support you directly in that relationship. All B2B, of course. Um, then I also have our fully automated platform where it's self-service. I can go on to mbroker.com. I can fill out the forms. And as long as I have all the information and I run through the process, I can go quote to bind without ever talking to a single human. So that's go to market route two. Go to market route three and four are really our, our channel distribution model. So I have both wholesale and retail distribution. And so I can, other, other brokers can come to us, sell anything that we have um, in our digital portfolio. Of the products that you guys are producing. That's right. Uh -huh. So they, effectively, they have access to all of our digital bundles and can pick and choose what they want to sell on from there. And they can either self-serve or they can work with our channel team to help them through the process. Either way, doesn't matter. So... Can I ask you, what's the largest segment of Vimbroker? So call it, uh, geez, four years plus ago, um, we rolled out what is referred to as our InBroker startup program. It has since evolved and is a much broader focus, but it primarily started off with uh, venture-backed technology firms. Um, and mm -hmm. so our relationship in the venture community is incredibly strong. The bulk of that, that footprint is all manner of, of young emerging business, um, a lot of them in the technology space. But it could um, be a restaurant. Could be a restaurant, could be a construction company, could be an HOA, could be an, um, a drone company. Could, I mean, there's a whole host of things that fit into those categories. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, this is the, I think the biggest advantage for us is if a product doesn't fit in 
to one of our bundles, I have an amazing team of brokers on the other side of it that can fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. So we're not a one trick pony as, oh, hey, look, if you can't find what you want, sorry, we can't help you. That's not really our model. Our model is to be the single destination where if I'm a startup, I can come to Embroker and potentially I buy some of Embroker's products because they're exactly. appropriate. Yeah. And then my strategic advisors can step in and fill in the gaps for you. But your solution is comprehensive and appropriate for your risk, regardless of how we assemble it. But we have all the component parts to do that. I get it. So whether it's your product from your product team or another carrier's product that you represent on the broker side, it's a full solution. Absolutely. It can be pieced together on a customized basis to create a full solution. That's a, that's absolutely right. And so, you know, our goal, we orient everything around the customer benefit. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like, if I'm the customer, what is going to be most beneficial for me? And so like assembling a marketplace where I have like 10 DNO products and I still am in a situation where I have to pick if I didn't know before, I sure as heck don't know now. And so yeah. ser serving me up a variety of 10 of the same thing from different providers is kind of useless. It's in the same exact position that I was before. What we're trying to do through our technology is use all of our, our big data thinking and our AI and all of the work that we're doing on the back end to serve you up the most, the most appropriate set of products for your particular risk profile based on the application that you actually submit to us. So it's not cool. just APIs in between different places. You're using data to help the small business owner know what they need. You're helping tell them what coverage they need or what policies they need. Is that right? Or AI. Yeah. You get an application and I'm, your AI is reading that. Is that correct as well? Yeah, I think the way, I mean, the way to think about it is this. So, um, you know, and we've all talked to a million brokers who are quick to say, oh, you're never, you know, technology is never going to replace the expertise that I bring to the table. And they're, and they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. But you have to take that brain power and that critical thinking and that strategic advisory and bake that into technology so you get all the benefits of automation and technology and, and that rigor with the embedded understanding of what would be a broker. And so the two should go hand in glove so that I, I am served up with effectively technology enabled strategic guidance that you would be getting from a brokerage with super, super, super high quality product that cover my risks that are appropriate for what I'm actually you know, needing. Um, because as you guys know, right? Like, I mean, if I have, let's say I have one cyber product, well, that cyber product may not be appropriate for five different types of customers. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so I need to be able to tailor my offering accordingly. And if I don't have some piece of technology that allows that tailoring to happen, then I'm reliant on humans and that's okay as a, as a gap fill, we're trying to do both. I see. I'm on your website right now. You have startups and tech companies. Startups, VC funded, tech companies, not VC funded. Yeah. What's the difference? Like, why, why is that important? So think about the risk profile. Just, I mean, uh, you, you guys' background alone, right? You guys will, you guys come from a place of, of seeing just profiling companies, right? Uh -huh. If I've gone through a vetting process as a VC, you know, a VC backed company, um, there's a significant amount of rigor that's already been done relative to giving me any funds, how I'm structured, kind of the oversight of that investment, where the dollars came from, the risk profile associated with it, et cetera, et cetera. 
versus a company that let's say was started in a garage, no real financial background, no financial backing. Maybe it was friends and family, maybe not as stable, don't have a lot of history there, don't know any referenceability. And so you have these different profiles, but you, they all still have risk. And we should be in a place where we can solve their particular risk profiles in a different way. And so we make the distinction because, you know, again, a venture backed organization has different it's just a different set of dynamics versus, sure. you know, let's say, you know, the three of us decide we're going to open a, you know, a, a technology company in my garage. We have diff- different dynamics um, at play. Same risks, same excitement, same entrepreneurial spirit and growth trajectory and chance of success and all that good stuff. But there's just a back end dynamic that's a little bit different. Let, let me ask a couple of questions about your customers. Yeah. You have an interesting conglomeration of specialty areas right? Like law firms and cannabis companies. Yep. Now you would think that cannabis companies need a lot of lawyers, but I doubt that. (laughs) I doubt that's why you guys service them both. But talk about how how did you end up in those spots? Yeah. I I mean, let's, let's, I mean, let's start with cannabis. We just rolled out a new cannabis product, but we've been in the cannabis space for geez, four plus years with a dedicated vertical focus in cannabis. We have an extreme expertise in the space and are very, very good at it. Um, you know, our cannabis customers range from, you know, million dollar a year type premium customers down to the individual, um, you know, small shop. And so kind of see it all, you know, but if you think about that space and it all kidding aside, folks that are getting into the cannabis industry, one are incredibly brave entrepreneurs. Um, <laughs> yeah, unregulated space. It has a tremendous financial risk. In most states, it's already fairly saturated as far as product. And there's not a lot of people who are jumping in to support them from a banking perspective, payroll perspective, facilities, perspective. the Fed. I mean, all kinds. I mean, everything. It's just they, they have a ton of headwinds. And one of the ones that they shouldn't have a headwind is, is in insurance. And we're able to solve that problem for them. And so it's a tremendous need. It's an incredibly growing industry with people that are, you know, share an entrepreneurial spirit around growth and risk taking and other things that does not take away from their ability to like really scale into a very mature, you know, profitable business. And so, um, you know, we go after, we're not afraid to go after segments that are highly strategic, very sticky and highly valuable to the customer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you find that those businesses tend to make it? I mean, are they are they stable? Uh, well, we're, they're, they're <laughs> almost all they're almost all new. I would I, I would say going into the restaurant space probably a lot more risky than going into the cannabis space. Yeah, um, I would think so. You, you know, I mean, I think it's it's a space where um, there is a significant capital investment to get started. It is a space that is con- continuing to grow. Um, obviously, you know, there's criteria in our coverage that, you know, we, we don't go too large. We don't do multi-state. We're, we're very fo- in our, in our digital product that is. So we're pretty focused, um, on who we cover, what we cover. Um, but we try to make it as easy as possible so they can focus on gaining market share and, you know, promoting their brand and doing those things and not dealing with something that they really don't want to think about you know, insurance for them is very much a penalty. Um, in a lot of ways they need it. They know they have to have it, but it's not a lot of fun for them to talk about. So what are the typical policies that a cannabis store or operation is having to buy? 
Yeah. I mean, so, so what we've tried to do is, is give them, um, kind of the three legs of like the very basic stool, right. Which is, you know, GL. So, you know, general liability product property. So just real, you know, real estate and then product itself. Um, and between those three, if I'm a sub $5 million single state dispensary. So think, you know, the three of us decide we're going to pool our money and open a dispensary and we're going to get going. Those are really the three that you need to make sure that you're in a good place, you know, to really get going. So that's kind of how we think about it. And then we will layer on additional products on top of that, things like cyber workers comp and the like, um, as we fill, continue to fill out that bundle. I would think that the product liability would be potentially significant for them. It, yeah, I mean, it certainly, certainly it can be. Again, I think, you know, this is not, um, you know, our products are dispensary based products. And so they're not, you know, we're not supporting large grows through our product. Um, we do support lot, you know, lots of companies that are in like the full distribution space. And those are unique and different. And we run those through our brokerage side. You know, our products are really focused on kind of the, you know, the, the single instance shops. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who has the responsibility, and this is a little off topic, but of the product that is sold in the store? This is where the dispensary is, is going to be on the hook, right? I mean, ultimately, it's going to fold back. But, you know, I mean, once it's sitting there and they're selling it. And again, I think it, this is where I think it depends on the dispensary. And I don't want to talk out of school because like, we can get into the nuance of the, sure. legal, the, you know, the legal ramifications sure. of who owns what. Mm-hmm. But... You know, from our side, you know, that's where we wanted to give them a very structured product. Sure. You know, we, it's too willy nilly. There's just, you know, people are still selling kind of random quality. I think quality in general is an issue. When I think about like solid investments in that space, test and measurement, lab sciences, you know, tissue based clone sampling, things like that that give, eliminate a lot of the risks that came with the early days of cannabis cultivation. Sure. Um, and stripping like, kind of the bad stuff out of the product and regulating it a little bit more, I think is is where we're going to see a lot of that go away and be a little bit easier to control. You know, first of all, don't misunderstand me. Don't think I have a personal interest in this or anything. <laughs> I'm just trying to do I my job as a, as a podcast host and dig down to the deep truth. To the deep and, truth. And maybe You're not trying a, to start one, maybe right? I was going to say. Maybe get a list have- of shores. If you send me your business plan for your new cannabis dispensary line, uh, I'll, I was be, about I'll to be say. suspect. Okay. Um, you can line up and be, be ready for the Texas launch. Absolutely. There we go. But I have thought about this is a business that's increasingly increasing in its uh, scale nationally, right? It is. That um, the, the rules of which, it seems to me, are kind of being written every day right now. It's not like food safety in a restaurant or the the rules for a pharmacy or, you know, the rules for a grocery store. Those are well codified over time and testing, whereas whereas this is is going on. So I think that and the point is, is that represents a very challenging environment for an underwriter. It certainly does. I mean, you have our product is written in such a way that it, it has you know, fair securities in it that I think are balanced and enable, you know, and, and are appropriate, frankly. And we also partner with, you know, with a number of third parties that, you know, give us great advice and support and, um, you know, all the, all the structure that we need to put out a product that is, you know, I think reasonable and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, when you're talking about, you know, a, a multinational organization that has major grow footprints in multiple states, complexities of international law are running, you know, a distribution channel plus growing plus plant touching plus 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 starts to get real squirrely really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we have some of those customers. And so you have to really understand what you're doing because the nuance is crazy. And to your point, not only is the regulation at a federal level changing all of the time, but state by state, county by state, type of business, uh, zoning. I mean, it's it's incredibly complex. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would like to go back a little bit to Embroker as a whole. Yeah. Uh, you were yeah. saying that part of the mission, part of the project is to help a small business owner know what insurance to get and perhaps the limits to get. And I'm just curious, has it been tested and proven that that you're estimating correctly, that your AI is working and that you're telling these small business owners the, the correct information? Has there been any testing done on that or findings? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the one of the benefits. Uh, so one, we've been in business for quite a long yeah. time. Um, and so um, was happy that you had heard of us and all of that good stuff. It's too bad that we're just not getting to a more detailed conversation. But, you know, a lot of the work that we do on, you know, digitizing the underwriting um, experience is obviously rooted in, you know, constant learning and data ingestion across, you know, quite a portfolio. And you got to remember, you know, we're not trying to go after anybody and everybody. Right. Um, that's that's the one big difference that I think is important to note about Embroker. We're, we're not trying to be a jack of all trades. We're trying to be excellent for the customers that we support because we know that particular vertical inside and out. Okay. Which is why we focus very closely on particular slices of the industry and not everything under the sun. You're not going to see, we don't do any personal lines. You know, that's not something we do. Um, You know, it's just, it gets too squishy. There's too much variability. And honestly, when you're, you know, when you have 500 different menu items, it's hard to be great at any of them. Um, And so we would prefer to have a couple really strong, vertically focused product sets that are tailored to particular verticals that we're excellent at. Is that part of your job coming up with the next programs, I I guess I call them programs, but groupings. So like we have aviation, cannabis, law firms, like zoo owner, right? Like, is there, (laughs) is there, is there a team who's like, these are our next ones that we're coming out with? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, certainly I have an opinion um, as does, you know, our entire team. I mean, we have an incredibly talented executive team and line level leaders. Um, Our, our, you know, our expanded executive team is, is incredible. Ultimately, we have a chief insurance officer, we have a head of product and then folks on the finance team and uh, my team from a go-to-market perspective that all weigh in on exactly where we're going to take that business. Um, you know, there are some cornerstone items though, you know, underserved markets, very difficult markets, um, times where insurance is incredibly sticky. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're not really interested in moving into spaces where it's a throwaway product, really? right? Yeah. It's not, or it's not strategic. Right. That's not what we're interested right. in. We want to be a sticky part of their, you know, overall strategy. Yeah. And you want them to renew every year. I mean, what good is it if they buy your, your product for a year because they're in some kind of crazy industry that shops, that ha- that's forced to shop on an annual basis? Yeah. Or, or you just provide horrible service and, you know, you're a pain in the butt to work with and they don't want to work with you again. Right. You know, we are, you know, our NPS is north of 70. Cool. Good for you. We take great pride in in our base and the customers that we have, and we feel very, very fortunate to have every single one of them. And you know, again, we'll always err on what is best for that group. And if we don't think we can move into a vertical and be incredibly successful at it, we won't do it. Why don't we talk a little bit about service? Something that can make or break a relationship is a claim. And so, whenever a small business or a startup or a tech firm when they when they have a claim, how does that look with Embroker? 
Yeah, so absolutely. So it's a, it's a great call out and you couldn't be more correct. It's uh, it's when the rubber hits the road and they need you, that is the, the telling sign. So I think let, let's start first with how we're structured. Okay. So, you know, um, unlike most insurance companies, traditional insurance companies who have sort of an account management function that is responsible effectively for, for renewing the customer, right? That is the goal. Renew the customer, make sure that they're sticky, stay with us, keep them happy, whatever. You know, Embroker has a customer success function that is very much focused on the customer and that customer experience from the time that they, they, they buy from us through their customer journey with us, which includes the renewal process. And hopefully they stay with us forever. Um, that is our goal. Right. And so, you know, that team and their attitude about the customer, I think, is first in understanding who they are, working with them to make sure that they understand what they bought following up, providing them like strategic information over the course of the year, um, you know, being there to, you know, offer advice and counsel and all those good things. Um, and heaven forbid there is a claim, um, we're all over it. And they're the first point of contact, right? So, um, you know, if I am an in-broker customer, I'm calling my customer success um, individual. They're walking me through the process. We have full claim support in-house. We have individual. And then we also... Um, you know, have support on the outside that helps us with every single claim that we have. Um, and so our goal again is, you know, one, eliminate uh, the opportunity, you know, get as much great risk as we possibly can on the books, be thoughtful about um, the types of customers that we take, which I think we do a very good job at balancing kind of risk and um, stability. And then when they need us, we support them um, with full in-house support. So I'm intrigued by the fact that you guys specialize in law. How did you get to that? Have you ever been a law firm and had to buy insurance? <laughs> no. It is an awful experience. Like, look, whether you're a brand new attorney coming out of school and you're going to hang a shingle and you're going to be, you know, go on your own as a privateer, or you are going, or you're at a big firm, 20 attorneys, 50 person shop, and you're renewing, you know, you're, you're moving from one broker to the next. That process is brutal. It is incredibly long. It is written with paper. Um, and you've got folks that are accustomed to detail and, and rigor and really want to understand. And if you don't make that easy, it becomes hard, hard, hard. And so, you know, we recognize that a space that was underserved from a sense of providing simplicity and also providing really, really, really good product. And so, you know, the first product we rolled out in that bundle was an LPL product. You know, it is specifically focused on a particular size of firm and down. And we do a ton of business in that space. We're very proud of the of being able to support those attorneys because our process is you go on again with if you have your information, you're sitting on your couch on a Sunday morning. As long as you have everything in front of you, you can knock out the entire process without ever talking to anybody. And that is a huge difference from what you would normally experience as a firm. That's an interesting thing to me is that, and and you as the CRO, I'm sure this is going to be right up your alley. And that is, so how do you bring them to you, right? How do they find in broker? Do they do a Google search that says attorney desperately seeking coverage? <laughs> or I mean, how do they find their way to you? So a couple of things. Um, one, you know, we have one of the more mature go-to-market engines 
probably in the industry. Definitely for a company our size. Our marketing team uh, are the team that does all of our thought leadership writing. Every speaking engagement we do, um, those folks are absolutely excellent. And we've built a very easy system by which folks can frankly get the information they need. You know, if I go to a very large, um, you know, if I go to an MGA or a broker and I'm relying on them for information, usually what they send me is insurance jargon. Thanks. But if I'm not an insurance expert, it's very difficult for me to sift through that and really understand like, hey, like this feels right, but is this really what I need? What we've tried to do is distill that down. So all of our messaging that you see is meant to be simple, easily understood. It's a bit of a translation engine from kind of insurance ease into um, you know, simple English so that folks can really understand that they're being covered with the appropriate products. And then obviously that dovetails into just a very simple process of actually getting to a, a place where they're, you know, they're bound and they're covered. Yeah. So Ben, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end here. I've got to ask you why here, you know, what brought you to this company? What got you here? Um, it's a good question. Um, I get that a lot. <laughs> you know, look, I mean, I was I was in the technology space for a very, very, very long time um, and had an incredibly successful career at multiple companies. And at the end of that, you know, was in seat, having a great ride, um, frankly, was looking for something that was going to be hyper disruptive. Right. And when you look at industries in general that desperately need technology innovation, there are not very many that haven't really cracked that nut or at least gotten pretty far into the process. And insurance is one. Like it is just, there's far too much data. There's far too much paper. There's far too much friction. There's, there's decades and decades of like technical burden inside of every large organization that hasn't ever really been properly brought to market in a way that a customer can feel the benefit of the technology. And so through a number of connections, I was like, okay, I'm in, let's yeah. go. Cause it just feels, it, it feels like such a natural fit where technology can, can truly be a differentiator that people feel. That's cool. Yeah. And then uh, obviously I ended up at Embroker, you know, the CEO of the company and the founder is a tremendous guy, you know, had an incredible vision of what he wanted to bring to the insurance buyer, um, high quality product, ease of acquisition, you know, and then great service. And so that was kind of the, you know, his three, you know, his pillars, if you will. Um, and that has since evolved to, to really, you know, focus on kind of a specialty market and being this, this true single destination for these folks. And so it's been a great ride. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in commercial insurance, how there are many companies, both MGAs, carriers, et cetera, tend or have a tendency to focus in these interesting areas because expertise is required, right? It's hard to be a generalist for commercial insurance. Like we, uh, for a long time, had a TPA program with a company that specialized in insuring companies that were involved in road building. That's all they did. Yeah. Millions and millions of dollars of premium focused on all the different parts and pieces kind of companies that build a road. And you can imagine, I mean, that's a tough uh, uh, a line to write because the there's all kinds of problems with building a road, as you yeah. can imagine. I mean, there's a million, there's a million examples. You know, there's, uh, when you think about folks that insure elevator shafts and elevators themselves and that mechanism, it's a very small space, right? I mean, but they're great at it. They understand they have, they have years and years of data to support their underwriting. And that's, 
that's really what you want. You want somebody who's great. And, you know, we, we could have, you know, I always, I always laugh at our CEO because I told him like, man, you picked the hardest stuff in the world to deal with because it is so dynamic. And the companies that you're working with are so dynamic and you're growing and, you know, there's funding dynamics and it's a very hard space, et cetera, et cetera. But that's where it's fun and that's where it's valuable. And if you're not willing to stick your neck into those types of spaces, like, you know, you're always, you're always going to be a commodity to, to somebody. And the next person that comes across with a better product, it's cheaper, you're gone. And we don't ever want to be in that spot. Comp is a huge importance to most commercial enterprises. They have yeah. to carry it. It's uh, mandated. How big is comp for you guys? Uh, well, there's lots of folks that do it and they, they're really good at it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so we have, you know, we have it, we offer it. It's part of our DSP bundle. Is it something that we're going to ever try to write as a standalone and, you know, create our, our own? This is just me talking. I'd say probably not. There's a lot of people that do it and they do it incredibly well. Correct. And so for me, I would almost rather partner with somebody embedded in one of our, in one of our bundles where it was appropriate and call it good. You know, again, like I, you know, I think that's the privilege that we have is I can kind of pick and choose how I assemble a bundle for what's best for the company. I don't have to have authorship over absolutely every single thing. I think that's a, you know, if somebody's got a better mousetrap, I'm happy to talk to them about it. Last question is about your guys's um, structure and funding. I know yep. that about a year ago, or so, a little more than a year ago, you guys, did you guys raise a hundred million dollars in one raise? We did, yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of money. In today's standards, <laughs> it's even more. <laughs> I cannot say enough about the people that that support and back Embroker on the reinsurance side. On our, you know, our BFC partners are just incredible, amazingly supportive folks. I feel incredibly fortunate. To your point, that we raised as much as we did when we did. I really wouldn't want to be in this space needing to raise money going into twenty three and beyond. It's it's going to be a tough road, and I wouldn't want to be in that spot. And I'm glad we're I'm glad we're not. We're nowhere near it and have plenty of money to invest and, uh, you know, and drive the business forward and continue to grow and roll out new products. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. Cool. Well, we loved hearing the uh, Inbroker story, finding out that you're a neighbor and look forward to continuing to follow the Inbroker story. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time. Another interesting insure tech that we didn't know much about. Right. A insure tech who thinks that they're super duper insure tech. And it turns out that he's right. I mean, it's all about the technology with them. And 300 employees. Yeah. This isn't like some little, you know, we have 23 people. No, it's a big I mean, one. They've been around company. a while. What, seven years, you seven said? Seven years. I mean, yeah. No, it's a big deal. Big funding, big employee base, big technology push. It was a great conversation. Glad that Ben came on today. And a neighbor. And a neighbor. Thanks you, everybody, for being with us. Thank you to our producers, the wonderful Alicia Moss and the other guy, Al. And like we say every time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>